Hey there. Welcome to Christ-Centered Combos. I'm your host, Kristen Ladd. Thanks for joining me as we talk to believers within the Christian Fellowship Ministries to hear the amazing stories of how God has transformed their lives. My prayer is that through each episode, we can be encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to press on towards the calling God has placed on each of our lives. Hello, welcome to this episode of Christ-Centered Convos. Today we have a true prodigal son story by my brother, Jose Lugo. Welcome, Jose. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. So let's jump right into it. Um, tell us your story. Uh, it begins way back when I was a kid. For When I was real small, I remember my parents getting saved. We got saved in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And from there, um, that's where my story begins. Because all my life, I remember my parents going to church. I remember knowing of God. I know of Jesus. But my biggest thing was... Uh, we didn't live like Christians. My, we would go home and we would be a different people. And it, it affected me a lot because I didn't believe in God after that. Because my dad used was very abusive physically, verbally. And because of that, I was like, there's no God. Because you can't go to church with a black eye and have no one say anything and be like, hey, get these kids out of this situation. Wow. Was that in our fellowship or was that a different church no, it was in our fellowship oh my goodness yeah, and how old were you at that time i was like seven or eight. Oh, okay yeah. i was real young when all that happened but people are not perfect that's, that's what true. i came to the conclusion of so then what happened as you grew up like through your teen years did you stay in the church or well we were both in and out of the church my dad got deported so we had to uproot from that fellowship and go to a, a new environment and when that happens you just Try to cling to what you know, and church is what we knew. That's what kept us going for the longest time. But once I became older, it was different because it was now the choice of not going because your parents go, but going because you choose to. You and mean when you were an adult, once yeah. you became an adult? Yeah, when okay. you get older. I was what, 17, 18. It's like church is a choice and not just because your parents want to. That's so true. <laughs> Um, so what was the thing, because once you came to our church in Reno, you you knew and everything, what was the thing that caused you to fully backslide? It was a girl, <laughs> believe it or not. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, in a relationship with a girl for four years. Um, at that time, when I was in the relationship, my dad died a day before my birthday. Oh everyone no. everyone would be like, oh my goodness, you must have went through a lot, but... The truth was I hated my dad with all my heart. And when he died, I only cried just so I, so people would think I, I was normal because wow. <laughs> I didn't really care. I was like, finally, he's gone. And truly in my heart, I was, I was telling myself, you didn't have a childhood. You survived childhood just because everything that you've been through. Wow. Yeah. So um, tell me more about like once you now – that you've come back back to church and back to God. And it's been an amazing encouragement to me to see what God has done in your life. So tell us now about, about how that all came about. Well, 
I was homeless for a total of six years, uh, four in one section and then three in another section. The four years that I was homeless before, it was right after I had that big breakup with the girl I was in a relationship with for four years. We were going to have a kid, and because I was playing victim and I was really depressed about everything that was happening, I didn't, I didn't know how to cope with it. So she was going to have a kid, and she aborted my kid and was like, I honestly don't want anything to do with you, so wow. I'm going to cut all ties I have with you. How old were you at that time? I was 21, I think. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing to me just hearing you say that. Like, you, I can hear in the way that you're talking that you, you, have, you, ha you have taken responsibility and you know that you were that way. And, I mean, I see it in your character, too, but it's just... It's awesome to see that you've taken responsibility and you've grown and you've uh, got past those things. Yeah, That's it's awesome. It's a big thing to take responsibility of who you are because uh, if you don't, you're just blaming it on someone else. Yes. I when I grew up, I could have been blaming it on my dad. Oh, I'm this way because of my dad. I'm this way because of my mom. I'm this – no, I became the way I became because I chose to react the way I reacted. And when he died, my dad died, and I was going on that way. I was I was looking for love, honestly. And the biggest thing was, here's my heart. Anyone who can grab it, take it because I don't want it, and I just want to feel something. Wow. So that's what led me to that that big great big spiral. <laughs> and ever since then, it's just girls for me were a big obstacle in my life because I give them everything. I give them my entire heart. I give them all my attention, and I would lose jobs because of that. I'd be like. Hey, I'm here by my uh, at home by myself. Come over. I'm like, okay, and I I'm at work and I just leave. Wow. <laughs> okay, so that brings me to another question. Um, hopefully, it's not too personal. I know for me, my I sought relationships because I didn't have a relationship with my father, um, and I think maybe for guys, it's the same. Maybe they didn't have a good relationship with their mother. How's your relationship with your mom? It's getting better. We we text more. I, I have to call her more. But before, I saw my mom as a an angel, because whenever my dad would would beat us and everything, she would she would be there to try to run interference so he wouldn't get too out of out of control. But when she wasn't there, he would just go all out and yeah, beat so us. So as a child, did you have a good relationship with her, or how did that it was an affect okay things? It was an okay relationship. Uh, I wasn't real tied with my mom. Um, and that really showed later on. As I don't you grew up, you didn't have that relationship with her, yeah. so you sought it in other girls. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. me and my mom got in a fight, and when that happened, when you're depressed, you, ha you run all these scenarios yes. in your head why you're a bad person, and when my mom and I, me got in that fight, it was just proof. I was telling myself, see, she doesn't like you. She hates you. You were right all along. Wow. And that's what caused me to just be like, you know what, whatever. I'm done with this family. I'm done with everything. And I just went on my merry way. Wow. How old were you when you had that fight? Was that before the... No, I was. that was just before I became homeless. I was around 21 at that oh, time. Oh, okay. S around the yeah. same age. Yeah. All 21, right. 22. And then how old are you now? <laughs> I'm 29. Okay. So can you fill in the gap there between 21 to 29? That entire gap is just <laughs> hazy a lot just because I get when 
when you're just doing whatever you're you desire all it was for me was drugs and alcohol i needed to make money so i had a guitar i learned how to sing i played on the streets and that's where i learned to play guitar and i sing because i only had i only took a guitar in uh, high school for one year and oh wow it was terrible because <laughs> <laughs> we were in the worst class he didn't teach us anything and then I just had to learn online and just take it up by myself. And that's. And now you're an amazing guitarist. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <coughs> and when I did that, it, w it was crazy because uh, my dad, one thing he taught me was never do nothing for money. It's like you can't just beg. You have to do something. When we were growing up, if he didn't have a job, he was doing something. He was making sandwiches. He was uh, selling corn. He was doing anything that he could to make money. And not just be like, hey, give me money because I, I don't have. It was just like, you got to do something. So that's where I, <coughs> sorry, that's where I was. Is I just had to do something. I'm not comfortable just asking. Well, that's good that even though there was hard things in your relationship, mm -hmm. he, you do see that he did instill good things in you, like yeah. to be a good worker. Yeah. Um, so where were you when you were doing the, the busking and all that? I was mainly in El Paso, Texas, but then I, I left and I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico for a while. And I would go back and forth. There was nothing really for me. Uh, I was just searching for, for love. And one thing that I learned from the Bible is God is love. And it's crazy because I remember the one, one time when I gave it all up, I was at the altar. I was like, God, I don't want to serve you anymore. And I'm, wow. I'm gone. I'm done. And I was at an altar and I left. I knew exactly what I was getting into, but. I'm so glad that Jesus will never leaves you. That's you, so true. You could choose to leave him, but he will never leave you. How old were you when that happened, when you were at the altar telling him you didn't want to serve him anymore? I was 24. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so even like when you were 21 and you were going through that relationship and stuff, were you like in and out of the church or well, were you? No. At that time, I was completely out of the church. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I always felt bad whenever uh, I was in church and I knew I was in sin because uh, my heart was, it felt wrong. And so whenever I would get close to God, I would be like, you know what? I don't belong here. All these people are, are perfect and everything. And I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible person. And because of that, it, it tied into my depression. I would just run away and I'd be by myself for a long time. Wow. Okay. Um, so then can you explain to me now I want to hear or let's tell the audience about the amazing transformation that God's done in your life and br what brought you to our church here in Reno. All right. Oh, uh, well, before all that happened, I was really bad with uh, alcohol and drugs. I would tell my brother about stories about what, <laughs> what I used to do, and it just blows my mind that I've been saved from all that. Uh, there was not a minute in my life where I was not high, only probably when I slept, and that was it. I'd wake up right away and I would I would just hit the bong and I was there's not a moment where I was sober. If it was uh if it was weed, I was at it. If it was if there was alcohol, I was at it. If there was coke, I was at it. We would party from four in the afternoon to ten in the morning. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's crazy that you say that because it, well, it's sad because a lot of the world is like that now. Yeah. They live high. Yeah, and it's all like day, every day. This is, it for me, was just, this is normal. It was a band-aid over who I was because when I wasn't high, 
I was always just thinking about killing myself. Not a moment, like, whenever, even when I had a job, I was working at Harris, and I would just look out the window, and I would just look down and be like, I wonder how it failed to, to jump out this window and hit the ground. How would my body look all mangled on the ground? And well, I would have to just step step back and be like, you know what? I have a job to do. Let me just go do it because left to myself, my mind would wander. Yes. And I got so bad to the point where I didn't believe in God anymore. I knew I grew up with it and everything, but after my childhood, I was like, there's no, there's no such thing as God. And I was going to live my life alone and and die i was going to write a book write some songs about my life and hopefully if there was reincarnation i'd go back and find out and who know who i was and if not and i die and i find out there's a god well, i guess i'm going to hell that was my mentality for wow. the longest time and so i was just quiet in my room just getting high by myself and then I, it was bad because i got my brother involved in it he never tasted alcohol in his life he never had drugs in his life and I introduced him, and both of us, we just spiraled down. It went from weed to shrooms to LSD, and he was looking for an answer. I wasn't looking for anything. I was comfortable in my sin. You were content in your sin. Yes, I was just, this is my life. I'm going to just live it until I die. I have a job. I have a place to stay. That's all I need. And it took me to the point where I realized that I was hurting people around me to know that I was destroying someone else's life because my brother was looking for an answer. He was looking for God. He was looking for something. He wanted to go to the edge of the universe to see everything. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> I have no idea, but that's what he went. He, he started doing meditation. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And some scary open doors oh there. Yeah, well especially when you're in LSD. <laughs> he was doing LSD and meditation. Oh, no. And then he just lost his mind. I remember one day he came home from work. And well, this was before the we had a bad trip. He had a bad trip where he thought that he knew everything. He was part of a simulation, and it it kind of scared me because he was like, "I I know exactly what you're gonna do. I know I know what's gonna happen next." So I was like, "Bro, he you said that to you." Yeah, I was like, "Bro, you don't even know me. You don't know what I've been through. I barely known you for two years. Before that, I was by myself. I was homeless, and I played a song that he didn't know I knew. And he's like, "I think you broke my cycle." And then we, we kind of sobered up for a little while. It was three days where we weren't doing anything. He came home from work one day and was like, do you want to go get breakfast? I was like, sure, let's go get something to eat. We went to Denny's. And as soon as he stepped foot in that Denny's, he just lost his mind. And wow. I was like, "What? what's going on? What did you take? And he was like, oh, nothing, nothing. And I, it was tripping me out because he just came home from work. And wow. I thought he was on acid. And it was weird because... He knew in his heart that he was he was wrong or something because he tried to call everyone on his phone and apologize for who he was. Whoa. And I was like, what? what Wait, happened and he hadn't you? taken drugs for a couple days? Yeah, he was sober for oh a few Oh, my goodness. Weeks. The devil had his grip on him. Yeah, and it, it sure. just it blew my mind because he called my mom and she was like, I'm, I got you the number to the church. If you want to ride, just call the number. We can go tonight because this was on a Sunday morning. And. He was, I asked him, do you want me to go with you? I didn't want to go. I was making every excuse to stay away from church. I was far from church as as anything. And he was like, well, I don't want to go alone. And I was like, fine, I'll go with you. I remember I just got really high, and I just got in the car. Uh, Pastor Curtis picked us up. And uh, 
lucky enough, we you guys were having revival with Chris Hart <laughs> Sunday yes, night. Yes, I remember that service when you guys were there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was crazy because no one knew why we were there. No one knew why we came. Yeah, no one knew the depth of your story. Yeah, we were just, hey, I was just like, hey, my brother's broken. He needs help. Deal with him. I'm okay. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Just I was I was just him. I was just the cheerleader, you know. Here he's here, do what you will, fix him. Cuz we were we were out of answers. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to tell my boss like, "Hey, we were doing drugs and he lost his mind. Were am I supposed to put him in a mental hospital? I don't know." So It was that bad, huh? It was bad. I didn't know I was out of answers. This was the only answer that I knew. Wow. And it was crazy because I was sitting in church and the message wasn't for us. And I was like, well, there you have it. We're not getting help. And he went up for prayer to the altar. And then that's when Chris Hart looked at him at the very, very end. He was like, let me tell you something. You have value in your life. You're under a demonic attack. And it just blew my mind mm -hmm. to know that there is a God so big that cares about a creature so small. Yes. And I was like, what? And how personal that message was. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Just my, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. And I was like, there is a God. And that just opened my mind. It, it broke down all these doors, all these walls that I built up saying, there is no God. I'm okay being the way I am. And it just opened my eyes. And I was like, there is a God. And I was so happy because <laughs> he was no longer broken. Yeah. And it just, and I just kept going because this is one thing that's, that's worth fighting for. Amen. I remember during uh, revival week, you had revival for with Chris Hart for about four days, Sunday to Wednesday. And I was going every service, and I was like, this is amazing. And I could see the effect that I had on my brother with just having my, my alcohol and my bongs and everything inside my, my room because he would start slipping again. He would start losing his mind. And I was like, man, I'm not helping this guy at all. So I think it was on a Tuesday or Wednesday I went in my room I dumped all my alcohol on the toilet. I flushed it. I broke all my bongs. I threw them away. Wow. I threw away all my weed. That's and it was deliverance. Yeah, I was like, Praise I, I, I got to help him. And I, there's no way I can help him when I have all this junk in my room. So I got rid of it. <laughs> and I haven't looked back. It's, it's been amazing because before that, I was never sober at all. This is the longest I've been sober ever. <laughs> Praise God. How long has that been? It's when been was that revival? It, uh, it was August 24th of last year, I believe, or 21st. It was a couple of days before my birthday. <laughs> That's all I remember. But it was, it's was been good. Was it last year? Last year. 2019 or 2018? 20. I think it was 2018, wasn't oh it? Oh, my goodness. I think you've been <laughs> in the church for a while. I've been in the church for a year and a couple yes. months. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. It seems so much shorter. I know it does <laughs> because it goes by so quickly. <laughs> yes. Um, so in that in that period of time, what is uh, the most recent thing that God has done in your life? He's just opened a whole bunch of doors. There's one thing. There's a couple of things that I never thought I would have because I was homeless, like having a car, paying for insurance, having a job a good paying job and he's just blessed me with all that and it happened in such a short amount of time it blows my mind i mean for for years i was always on my feet walking around when you're homeless one thing that you don't take for granted is a good pair of shoes but 
he gave he gave me a car. He blessed me with a car. He blessed me with a a great job. That was that's the the most. Besides that, one thing that he really helps me with is just revealing who I am and how I can improve. Because every every service, he's just speaking to me. And it's one thing that I remember growing up. I would sit in church and I wouldn't I wouldn't hear anything. My heart was closed. I was just listening to someone talk, and that was it. And now it's it's real when God speaks. And it's funny because in my mind, I was like, oh, this is how your mind works. This is how all Christians talk. Because when I was homeless, people would be like, hey, what are you doing here, man? I'm trying to make money so I can get beer and drugs. But I wouldn't <laughs> tell them that. I'm just like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get some money. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're supposed to be in church. People would tell you that? <laughs> yes. And I wow. was like, no, no, no. I'm are running you sure the that's what they were way. saying, though? <laughs> I was running the <laughs> opposite way. Wow. And he would, he, when I was homeless, he would just blow my mind. And I was like, man, I got good luck. It's <laughs> so awesome how he takes care of us even when we oh don't yeah. want to take care of ourselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And then one thing that, that played in my head for so long was this is how your mind works. You know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to go back to, to El Paso. Once I got saved, I was like, you're just going to go back to El Paso, be with your mom. You know everyone there. You know where all your friends are. You know where to get drugs. You know where to get drunk. You know where to get high. You know all that stuff. And so my heart was like, I'm going to El Paso. And everyone would ask me when I was in church, so when are you going to get in ministry? When are you going to get in ministry? And I'm like, don't tell me that. I'm leaving. I just want to go home. That was when you were here in this church? Yes, when I was in really? this church. I was like, I just want to go home. I, I want to leave. And then God started dealing with me. I was reading my Bible, and one uh, one scripture that, that just captured me was, any man that puts his plow, a hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Oh, yep. And I was like, <laughs> don't tell Conviction. me that. And I was like, you know what? This is, this is my mind. This is how my mind works. And I was like, you're just going to put yourself in that scenario and then build it up from there. Because that's what depression does. It builds up a bunch of scenarios. Yes. <laughs> and you make a conclusion that you're a bad person on all those scenarios. And so he put another scripture in my heart. It was crazy because I fell asleep in the closet <laughs> at <What>? work. <laughs> and it that never happens. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and he just put he put a scripture in my heart. Uh, Luke 10, 24. And it says, uh, for many kings have desired to see what you have seen and have not seen it, and to hear what you have heard and have not heard it. And I was like, no. To me, it was like God saying, no, this is not you. This is wow. me. People are looking for the answer that you have, and they're not wow. seeing it. Didn't you get a word saying something about dreams or something? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's. God is good because he, he never for, forgot me when I deserve to be forgotten. That's awesome. It, it just blows my mind because he continues to speak to me. And I'm like, th this is it's so good to serve a God that is real, a God that sees things through. Yes. Because there's a lot of things that I just hid behind drugs and alcohol like with a with a Band-Aid. Yes. I'll forget everything and just smoke until I'm until I forget until I'm gone and passed out. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I've been there too. Um, it's been an encouragement to me to see how God has, has redeemed you and restored you and the calling that he has on your life and all that he's 
doing to grow you and shape you. It's just been awesome watching you grow. Thank uh, you. And thank you very much for, is there anything else you wanted to add or? Well, we could be here for hours of telling <laughs> my story. It's those years have been the longest of my life, but that's just the, the gist of it. Uh, the best thing that you can do is just trust God. Yes, amen. Because there's nothing else to trust in the world. The high only lasts for a little while. People forget, and that's not true love. In yeah. the Bible, God is God is love. If you know God, you know love. Amen. And true love is not giving up on a person that deserves to be forgotten. Yes. <laughs> and I, I praise God that he, he didn't forget me. Yes, amen. And if you have children that are not saved, continue to pray for them because I heard my mom was praying for me for a very long time. And I had to get out of the comfort zone where I was in El Paso and be put in a place where I didn't know anyone so he can get so he can reach me. Yeah. In in Reno, I'm hundreds of miles away from what what I know. And he had to bring me out of that. If you're going through something that you don't understand, there's a reason for everything. God wants to be involved in your life. And sometimes he has to take you out of your comfort zone so, so he can true, reach you. So true. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for uh, telling us your story today. Um, I appreciate it. And I hope it's been an encouragement to anyone out there listening. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Christ-Centered Combos. Hey, guys. I wanted to record a little end cap to this story. And I apologize in advance. I'm getting over a cold, so that's why I sound all stuffy. I wanted to record a little end cap to this episode because... We forgot to mention something in the interview. Um, so these brothers came into the church for a revival in August of 2018. They both rededicated their lives and got radically saved. It was really encouraging for me to see them dive back in. They were riding the bus to come to church. They were making every effort that they could to come to church. They wanted to be in church. They would get rides from people. They would ride the bus. So so it was just awesome to me to see these these boys be transformed to dive in and and be delivered and changed in within like 1 year of coming into the church. Unfortunately, in that time, Ben, the one that Jose speaks of, who got the word about being under attack, chose to go back into the world. So at this time he is not in the church. He's backslidden, and I wanted to take this time to ask for continued prayers for him, just that we can link hearts and believe God to bring him back. I really believe that God has a high calling on these brothers' lives, and that is why the enemy has done what he has to tear him down again. But we believe God even now for restoration. So I just wanted to add that in, and... um. And then I want to close in prayer. So thank you for listening and thank you for your support. And with that said, let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to speak with my brother, to hear his story of redemption and restoration. God, we believe you for his brother, Ben. We believe you, God, that you will bring him back once again. We believe you, God, for all that you are doing that we cannot even see. I thank you, Lord, for the blessing of these brothers in our church. I thank you, God, for all that you are doing in their lives. 
I thank you, God, that you are a God of restoration and, and that you never let us go. Even when we are far away, you are still there waiting for us to turn back to you, knowing that you are the only way, you are the only life, and you are the truth, God. We thank you and we praise you, God, for all that you are and all that you've done in our lives and all that you still want to do in our lives. Help us, my God, to just trust in you in every area of life. God, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to do this podcast. I pray that you help me, my God, to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.